Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Chris Ballas and Anthony Broom. Two days before Michigan's 2022 spring game, the first one in three years. So we'll be there at the big house on Saturday. We're going to talk about that as spring ball wraps up. Uh, we will also discuss basketball, some off-season storylines, transfer portal type of stuff at the end as well. That's kind of, man, talking about these coaches in the basketball world, it's like the season ends and the work begins for these guys, putting together rosters when you don't know what you have and all the numbers and all that. So it's super hard, but we'll get to some of that and obviously a ton of moving pieces. But let's start with uh, with spring football coming to a close here. Um, excited for Saturday. Should be a real game, 12-minute quarters 12 minute halftime uh two minutes in between the quarters so it's going to move fast action packed quarterbacks will be live other than Cade McNamara who's going to play on both teams which I guess makes it fair right and one you know one no, team well, that good to know two days ago yeah exactly so yeah <laughs> one team doesn't just get him there is some buzz though I'm hearing uh, surrounding one team I can't say which team but uh the guys are feeling good we talked to a couple guys today that were uh you know, already kind of talking a little bit of trash, saying that uh, the other team's going to, you know, have to eat hot dogs on Saturday night and all that. But um, let's start with you, uh, CB. What are you most excited to to watch for on Saturday? Position group, a player, uh, you know, just the festivities overall. What are you What are you most excited for? A football game with a crowd. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I go back to when I was in school at Michigan and my dad would come down and we would sit there and, uh, it'd be you know sunny and 48 degrees and you're and you're just soaking it in and it was an actual spirited football game and I remember one year it ended with a missed field goal that hit the crossbar and they celebrated like they just won the big ten <laughs> and they ran over and they were rubbing it in their friends faces and it was a blast and that's what I like about it uh, back then guys you could go on the field and mingle with the players and just talk to whoever you wanted to it's a little bit different now now you have to pay 100 bucks for an autograph so bring your bring your Benjamins and uh, <laughs> so uh, because that's that's what it's going to take. But regardless, uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere and I'm excited to see it. Uh, excited to see what the defensive line does against the run and how they hold up against that offensive line, which I think is going to be outstanding. And uh, the receivers, I want to see what those receivers do. And, and I think Cade McNamara, from everything we've heard, has been extremely sharp this spring. So uh, just all of it, guys, just going to be nice to be out there and watch some football. Yeah, real football. Michigan football. And yeah, I remember those days as well going to the spring game. I got a picture with the cheerleaders down there. Maybe I'll put it in this video afterwards, but uh, you know, got that you got, I got like an autograph with, you know, some players and you got the pictures and stuff like that back in kind of the Chad Henney, uh, Mike Hart, his first time around in Ann Arbor, those types of days. And it was fun. I get, and I'm all for NIL and all that. And, and Michigan's got to, you know, do what they can, but a hundred dollars, even for kids, uh, that's, that's tough. Um, you know, you feel like, you know, you want to get them to be the types of fans that some of us were. And, you know, it starts at that young age. But, uh, A.B., what are you uh, what are you most fired up about? Just seeing guys compete. I mean, you know, the Cade McNamara's of the world, the Blake Corms of the world. Like, we know what those guys can do. But I want to see, you know, how a Tavier Dunlap looks, how a, you know, we've heard Kellogg Mullings has played on both sides of the ball, how those types of guys look. You know, your Rayshon Bennies, your George Rooks of the world, the young wide receivers. So I want to see how those guys compete with, um, you know, for a lot of them, especially the early enrollees, it'll be the biggest crowd they've ever played in front of, even if it is just an April spring game. So uh, seeing those guys compete, I mean, you know, popular vote aside or not, you know, us doing that spring game draft the other day kind of 
it kind of set in that like this is a really talented football team and there yeah. are a lot of guys that can make an impact in a lot of different areas that might even you know you talk about the two deep but there are probably two three four guys deep in a lot of different spots so excited to see those types of guys compete you know your your Darius Clemens of the world your uh, you know Derek Morris your you know, Olu a uh, new team we think we know what he is but competing with a new team so just excited to see the new faces excited to see um really i mean it's been what it's been math math is hard uh, four months since the end of the football <laughs> season now so to see the physical leaps that some guys have made whether it be from freshman to sophomore or just you know having another year of conditioning that's always pretty exciting too so um you know first and foremost like what do you want to see you want to see good health you want com- you want competition you want guys getting after it, but you want guys to stay healthy too. Um, so that's where I would think that the bulk of the focus for me will be on Saturday. Just just seeing seeing who flashes, because that's really all it is. I mean, we we've heard about the spring game superstars before, the spring superstars before. Uh, the one that always sticks out in my mind is Freddie Canteen. He was going to be mm-hmm. the next the next best thing uh, to slice bread. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Excited to see the guys get out there. Excited to see some of these young guys for the first time, because we don't get to see uh, behind the the curtain, so to speak during spring football. So that's going to be what I'm most interested in seeing on Saturday. Yeah. The, the early enrollees to me, other than them, it's the sophomores, that sophomore class that was so highly touted. You know, you have your guys like JJ McCarthy, unfortunately won't play obviously with the shoulder soreness. Um, But guys like Donovan Edwards, who it's amazing. Like they're still in their freshman years, but it's amazing what going through a season can do being in potentially your second spring. If you were an early enrollee last year, what doing stuff for the second time can do. And they, you know, at times will look like completely different players, even though we, we just saw those guys on December 31st uh, in Miami at that game. And, you know, a lot of them weren't playing as much when they had the roles, they could do one or two things, but it's amazing the confidence that you can get with an off season with, you know, off season to be in the weight room, not even a full cycle, but, um, you know, guys like Andrell Anthony, uh, you mentioned a couple of those guys, Rayshon Benny, George Rooks at the defensive line spot. Uh, it's too bad Rod Moore is out in the spring because, you know, I'm excited to see him in the fall. Um, but obviously good that he's going to get healthy. So guys like that, I'm I'm excited about. Uh, I want to see the defense as well. It's going to be tough to tell exactly how, you know, how strong a defensive line is because you're splitting the guys in half. But, you know, if a guy can make a play or if um, – you know, if if they can get off of a block, you know, against one of the top offensive linemen, you're going to have to really, really watch what you're you got to really watch what you're watching. And uh, and that's going to be interesting. But um, I wanted to throw it around for this as well. Like, Chris, what is the the number one thing maybe you've taken away from the spring so far um, in terms of, you know, things that kind of we've heard or, you know, that we expect to see on Saturday, things that have changed from last season? What's your kind of overarching, you know, possible takeaway? Yeah, number one, and it's kind of cliche, it's, but it's that championship vibe that I wrote about in my column that these guys expect to win now. And you've got a lot of guys that understand, like Mike Morris, it's not an option for me to fail. You know, I've got to come in here and I've got to replace these guys and do my job. And he's actually reaching those goals that he set for himself. And to hear that is pretty exciting. So um, the leadership, I'm very interested to see who emerges guys on the defensive side of the ball because you don't have that big personality. Mozzie Smith is not that guy. He's a leader by example. 
and we've heard unbelievable things about him. John Jansen even was talking about him on his recent In the Trenches podcast as a guy. Everybody asks him, have you seen Mozzie? Have you seen Mozzie? Because of how big he is and how strong he is and how well he's playing. So, um, But I just think there's a lot of talent. Like you said, Anthony, when you go up and down the list and you're drafting these guys, you know, two years ago we're like, man, is this thing trending in the right direction? Are they recruiting well enough? And now you look at some of the guys on the team and, and – Jim Harbaugh doesn't say lightly when he says, man, we've got a lot of talent on this team. I forget the exact words he used, but scary, I think, scary. Scary uh, good. going to be scary good, yes. Yeah. And um, and he doesn't throw that out there unless he really believes in his guys. And you can see uh, that there are a lot of football players out there. So there are going to be question marks. Uh, there were huge question marks on the defensive line last year, and those guys held up despite – not having the kind of depth that they they were that they thought they'd have, uh, and you know Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith stayed healthy, but they didn't have anybody behind them. Chris Jenkins emerged a little bit, but um, now you're looking and you're saying, okay, if you're looking for a weakness on this team, there isn't really one that stands out in my opinion, with the exception maybe. I think the ends will be fine against the run. You know, are they going to have a pass rush? And that's the big question mark. But uh, we'll find out, I guess, in the fall. And there are other ways to get to the quarterback. I was watching the Penn State game. Uh, in 60 the other day on the BTN and Junior Colson looked like he was shot out of a cannon on one of those blitzes guys. So they've got athletes if they decide to, to move these guys around like they did last year with Mike McDonald, which they will with Jesse Minter. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And the other thing I would say about the pass rush is that yes, on paper, you look, you're losing two first rounders. Uh, well, first round talents. We'll see what happens with Ojabo, yeah. but 25 sacks off of your defense. I, I think, Coming out of the spring, I feel more confident about their ability to replace that as a defense as opposed to just, okay, Mike Morris, Taylor Upshaw, go get him. We need you guys to be the next Hutchinson and Ojabo. Um, we talked to Mike Elston the other day, and he spoke about how there's going to be more of an emphasis on them you know, rushing the passer from, from the interior, and they expect Mozzie to be a part of that. And Sean Benny and George Rooks and Chris Jenkins and that group of guys they have in the middle there. We've talked before about how – it seems the uh, the safeties have been working more on blitzing and getting to the quarterback, and uh, defensive backs are, are working on technique and holding up in coverage. So, yeah, I, I think just just seeing those, you know, you're not going to see, you know, people, it's going to be vanilla on both sides of the ball. That's the type of playbook they'll run. That's the type of defensive calls they'll put out there. You're looking for technique stuff. You're looking for, you know, those battles along the sideline between wide receivers and cornerbacks. Is the cornerback – turning his head and locating the football is, you know, are the wide receivers, you know, running technical or precise routes, you know, it's just, it's those little type of things. And I think, you know, the one thing about, you know, the biggest storyline last year was that Harbaugh's staff, Harbaugh filled out his staff with young guys that brought energy. And I think that flavor is still there. But when you talk about someone like Elston and Klinkscale and, you know, some of these other guys that they have on the staff, you know, I really do think that that flavor this year is more on the technique and the details and the finer parts of their game, because based on what we saw last year, there's a pretty good foundation for what they can be uh, because of what you lose. You have to be a little bit better in every single area. And the way that happens is by hammering away at your fundamentals. So excited to see those guys that take that step, um, excited to see what the defense, uh, you know, some of those defensive guys stepping into bigger roles looks like namely a junior Colson, who is the guy at linebacker. Now it's, it's going to be really exciting to see what they throw out there. Even if it is a, you know, a 10, seven, you know, bar fight spring game, uh, <laughs> I'm still going to be, I'll be locked into every snap of that. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned 
you, you bring up a great point. Chris Jenkins talked about it today, how last year when they were on pass downs, it wasn't even really in their mindset to like, oh, I'm the guy that's got to get after the quarterback. It was more, you got to be in the right spot. You got to be gap sound, all that. You knew you had guys outside of you that were going to get there. But he said with Mike Elston and what he's brought to the table, now that mentality's changed because they know they're going to have to manufacture it in other ways. And there are other ways to do it. Um, you know, and now that they feel a little more comfortable in those roles, they feel like they can get there. Chris Jenkins is a guy who's he has had a big body transformation over the last year. So he's going to be, you know, another guy who feels a little bit better about himself in his role this year coming up. And I think you guys both in different ways touched on kind of what, what I've, you know, continued to hear when we talk to these guys is, well, is the chip on the shoulder there because you weren't two and four last year. And that was kind of a blessing in a way in, in terms of how that team was forged, but they still feel like they have a lot to prove. Joel Hornigford said, I'm not standing here as a national champion. So, you know, we still have a lot to do. And that's one of the reasons why he came back for a sixth year, which feels like 10 years, you know, position switch <laughs> and all that. Um, and then I forget who, I think it was Joel Hornigford who talked about Ben Herbert, how in the weight room, they walked in the first day in January. They usually all, I think, it, you know, it must be the shoes they come in with. They line them up against the wall one by one. Uh, he said, we're not doing that this year. Everyone flip your right shoe to the side, flip your left shoe to the side. And they measured out how much distance, like how much space that saved against the wall. And he said, one little thing like that and look at how much room we saved, you know, for whatever. And it was an example and a visual example of how these details that they're going to be working on and that they're going to try to fine tune can be the difference between big 10 champions and national champions. So uh, that seems to be like that chip is still there. But now they're kind of fine-tuning. Now guys know what they're supposed to do. There's a lot of returning guys on offense especially. So I, I kind of – I like that vibe coming out of the spring here too. And all of these guys have said the standard is there, Chris, the words you use. That standard's set by some of the guys that are already here. Some have left. But everyone in the building just about has seen what it takes to win a championship. Yeah, and that's what – I mean, that's huge. Because how many times did I say it, guys, that success breeds success? And they, these guys hadn't seen any champions in the room – since you know 2004 and as Doug Skeen my, my podcast partner who won five Big Ten championship rings said they would talk before the season guys about where they were going for the Rose Bowl in Pasadena and what they were going to do and those guys before them were the ones that really stepped up and said okay these are the expectations and you're going to live up to them period end of story and they didn't know any other way well for how many years did these guys know second third place fourth place losing to Michigan State they're still years yeah exactly still losing to some of these some games to michigan state which needs to change and i and i think will you know i think last year was was kind of a you don't call it a fluke but it was one of those games where if you look at the stats and, and the way it played out you should have won that game so uh but these guys now understand that this is what it takes they've gone through it they understand they know how to get there uh and they did it without the the huge armed quarterback you know and without the one guy they did it completely as a team uh and you know the cliche of the team the team the team but that's exactly how you win, fellas. And uh, you know, there were some elite talents on that team, no question about it. But Hassan Haskins, I, I wouldn't, I would say he's a great college running back. Uh, you know, is he an elite game-breaking pro? No. Cade McNamara is not going to be an elite pro quarterback. He didn't have any receivers out there that were elite pros. You know, tight end, same thing, right down the list. So uh, they got the formula back, and now it's about keeping it uh, and understanding and getting. They got rid of some of the headaches. Uh, some of those elite talents were just pains in the ass, fellas, that were all about them and would rather sit than practice for their team. 
you know, to protect their draft stock or, you know, the first sign of adversity, they're bailing and can't wait to get out of there and, and, you know, come back and haunt Michigan or whatever. Well, that's a bunch of crap. That's not how you win. And I think they put that behind them, uh, really got the, the culture back to where it needed to be. Now it needs to stay there. For sure. Yeah. And to build off that, like Ronnie Bell is one of the guys that I feel like is the most like bought in type of guy. He's really smart. You can tell he, he can read other people. And he, what he was saying, he could tell in his first few years at Michigan, what Jim Harbaugh was trying to build and it wasn't there. And he realized last year from the sidelines, you know, taking a step back and it was like, wow, this is what he wanted the whole time. And it all came together. And now those voices, those negative voices, maybe that don't want to practice or whatever, they're drowned out by the rest of the guys that are all on board and, and with the vision. So I think that's huge. Uh, all in for Michigan, Clay. Right. Remember that motto <laughs> going back to Rich Rod. It was finally what, what Rich Rod envisioned. This is it. Yeah. Other than the non-spread offense type of stuff, but uh, yeah, but but that's important, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it really is. It, it's stupid as it sounds, you know. And and what's his name uh, up there? PJ Fleck and his roll the boat crap. You know, it's you know it sounds hokey, but he's exactly right, man. You got to get rolling in the in the same direction, and that's the biggest key to any team. Uh, first talent, obviously, he, you know, ha- helps and matters. Uh, but having that culture and uh, and they fixed that, Anthony. And and to me, you know, it was really interesting listening to to Ronnie Bell say, you know, during the COVID year, we had guys we couldn't stand each other. And I'm like, well, no wonder you were two and four. You know, if you can't stand being around each other, then you got no chance. Yeah, it's a big part of it. And, and it's why when you go back and I think earlier this year, we were revisiting some of those recruiting classes from the Harbaugh era and you know, the, like a 2017 class, a 2016 class where you see, you know, you're ranked inside the top five, top six, or whatever. And you've got all these blue chip guys at the top, but half of, you know, a good half to two thirds of the blue chip guys just didn't pan out or wound up elsewhere because, um, you know, you stop short of calling them derelicts. That would be a little bit mean, but <laughs> they just, they weren't culture fits. And they were, um, you know, I, I think that in the early stages of Jim Harbaugh building this program, doing you know he was a bit of a carnival barker right and they would go around the country in these satellite camps and they'd take guys that you thought were weird takes and they'd take other guys to get an in in a certain state or things like that and they'd you know go in, go in on all these elite um you know these elite blue chip recruitments which don't get me wrong you still need that and michigan will continue to recruit at a high level but it seems like in the last couple of years there the focus has been back to let's get guys that are, are good teammates they love the sport and are coachable. I don't think they had a ton of that early on. And, you know, talent's important and bringing in blue chip talent is important. And, you know, the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, they are unicorns because they're able to find a way to do both and load up at so many different positions. But, you know, whatever they did last year was the perfect, you know, chemical mixture to get this thing headed where it needed to go. And it didn't seem like there were any, I said this in the preseason, like the team didn't have a ton of personality, but they all had the same personality and they were all kind of on the same page. And, you know, when you have just a bunch of guys that just want to work hard, stay out of the limelight and let their play do the talking on the field, forget the guarantees that, oh, we, we guarantee we'll beat Ohio state. We guarantee we'll beat Michigan state. Forget all that crap. Just go out, go do the work. We love the headlines and stuff. It makes our jobs easier. But you know what else makes our job a lot easier is when the team does its job on the field. Then we write nice things. And then people 
read more of the things that we put out. So I, I, I like just from a culture perspective where things are at right now. And I think a lot of that has to do with, and we've, we've hammered this point home several times in having, you know, it's not just that Jim Harbaugh has, you know, the Michigan man, the Michigan men on his staff. I think people roll their eyes on that. Yeah. That gets you in the door, but every guy that's on this staff right now is qualified to be here and is damn good at their job too. And the fact that what they have there with the, the players, the coaches, despite all of the stuff we went through in the month of January and February with the uncertainty, once everyone sets foot inside the football building, they are all on the same page. And that's why I'm, if it continues to be that way, which until something else happens, we have to assume it will continue to be that way. You have to like this program's chances of staying in the conversation for the foreseeable future. Some profound, profound stuff right there. Yeah. Very well said. Um, do you guys want to flip over to the basketball yes. side of things? Let's finish so, up with some hoops. You know, off seasons here. It was only a week ago that they were playing in San Antonio. Obviously, a, a tough, tough loss that's going to sting for a while. Feels similar to me than you know to last year with UCLA. Obviously, a Final Four wasn't on the line, but you know could have gotten there potentially. Um, now here we are with decisions. You know, basically waiting on that. Uh, Musa Diabate, Hunter Dickinson, Caleb Houston. Obviously, each guy has their own scenario. Each guy, uh, you know, different percentages I would put on it to who's going to return, who's not. Right now, you're you're full on the scholarships, but there's probably going to be a transfer out or two. There's probably going to be one of those two guys or, you know, one or two of those three guys leaving uh, and all that. So it's kind of the the uh, the waters are, are going crazy here. And the um, transfer portal, Michigan looking at it very heavily, reaching out to guys. At the same time, like you don't even have necessarily a spot uh, that you can, you know, guarantee right now at this point. So it's kind of all preliminary. But what are you guys, uh, what are you guys thinking a week into the off season here? Yeah, first of all, he's got to figure out who's leaving and who's so he can, you know, they're looking at the portal right now, but they need answers from these guys. And uh, Hunter Dickinson, you know, we've heard back and forth things for the last month, you know, and uh, you know, there's rumblings that he's got an apartment in Ann Arbor now or getting an apartment and there, you know, a month ago, somebody close to the program told us they wouldn't be stunned at all if he came back on a huge NIL deal. But um, others have told him you're 21 years old, you know, you got to strike while the iron is moderately hot, at least warm, you know, so it's never going to be steaming hot for him and the pros guys. He is who he is. But, uh, and speaking to some NBA types um, who work with NBA players, they think there's a role for Hunter Dickinson in the NBA. So, because he's a basketball player, don't know who he's going to guard, but you know what? He could be that, you know, guy that the ninth, 10th guy, especially if he continues to develop that jump shot. So, uh, but then Musa Diabate, they're supposed to sit down with him this week and decide what they're going, what he's going to do. I know some of his people are interested in having him move on and getting full-time development at the pro level, uh, probably the G league, obviously uh, he's got a lot of work to do guys. He's a project flat out. Uh, I'm not hesitant to say that at all. His hands, his knowledge of the game doesn't mean he's not going to be a good basketball player, but uh, has some work to do. And then you move on to the to the guys, the Alabama kid, the big kid at Alabama, and and the kid at uh, the wing at um, South Carolina, Devin Carter. Is that his name? I, I forget. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't think it's Carter. But regardless, he's one of the South Carolina kids who and and Jordan Howard played with his dad in the pros. So uh, we have we understand that there's been contact there. So. A uh, two guard. There's a two guard at a smaller school uh, who has not entered the portal yet. So we will not talk about him, uh, but they feel, you know, he's reached out. And uh, I think that he really wants 
to be here. So, uh, but you can't do any of that, guys, until you find out who's going to be here. And there will be somebody leaving. I'm pretty sure of that. There's been rumblings of, of a kid uh, looking at DePaul, moving on to DePaul, and actually has put some stuff on his Instagram, like a little puzzle. So you guys can figure that one out for yourselves, you, the users. But until he leaves, we don't sit there and say this guy's leaving. So uh, regardless, uh, it's a puzzle, guys. It's like you said at the start, Clay. It's, you know, Juan, Juan Howard's got his work cut out for him, just like John Beeline did when he was trying to put a team together after that run where, oh, my God, you know, Jordan Poole's leaving and Iggy's leaving, Brasdakis, and now you're starting from scratch. He was on a plane for 30 days. That's essentially what helped drive him back to the NBA. Yeah, it's tough right now, especially not knowing who's going to be here or not. It's, you know, Taylor Funk was a guy, a guy from St. Joe's. I thought they'd, they, they did have some interest in. He's going to Utah State. That just came up down as we started recording here. So he's a guy that's <laughs> off the board. Um, yeah, it's everyone's in kind of a holding pattern. And, and knowing that, I mean, Clayton, I saw you put on the board with the, what is the deadline for NBA type decisions? So um, they would have to be out. Like if they declare, I believe it's April 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they could come back before June 1. So this is like, and remember Hunter? I mean, we were into the summer talking about this stuff last year. So we're just starting. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. It, it drags out too. So you have to sort of project here. And that's where, you know, and there are some, we know that Devontae Jones won't be back. He officially declared, uh, you know, we'll see what a guy like Brandon Johns, if, he, you know, he has a fifth year, do they ask him back? We'll see. Uh, you know, Caleb Houston and Musa, again, Chris, to your point on Musa, I'll take it a step further. Like he is an athlete right now. He is not a fully formed basketball player. And if I'm a big guy, I'm probably, I'm probably going to roll the dice on Juwan Howard developing me. But at the same time, you know, a full-time skill development, especially, you know, he's an international student as well. So I, I understand that the NIL stuff is a little more complicated for him. So it's not just as simple as, Oh, well, let's put an NIL package together for him. There's some red tape there with that too. So it's going to be difficult until you get some answers here. I think they probably do. You know, if you lose someone from the backcourt or the wing, you probably need to go get it too. You can make the argument that point guard is still a need, even though I think with how Frankie Collins played in the NCAA tournament, you can kind of, I don't know if you could just hand him the job. I would, I think some more competition would be good for him, but you have Doug McDaniel coming in too. At least you have two deep there. You know, they're, they're a little bit thin at these other spots. If, if certain guys, decide it's time to move on. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out, but it's just so it's impossible to even put thoughts to, you know, we get questions all the time. What do you think this team looks like next year? We don't even know who will be on the roster next year. So it's impossible to project right now. Yeah. That's the thing about this thing. I I will say this though, when you look at the roster, no matter what happens here, and I know they could get attrition, further attrition from to like to the transfer portal as well. Um, you look at the backcourt. There's basically three guys. I know you could argue Jet Howard could like play back there in a bind, but he's six foot seven. Uh, you know, I think of him more as a three. I think of him as a better potential four than a two. Uh, so they're going to have to do something there, regardless of what happens. As you mentioned, I think it'd be a two guard would be the number one thing on the priority list. Because even if Hunter and Musa leave, you still have Terrace Reed, a high, highly rated guy coming in. You could play smaller with Terrence Williams or even move Caleb Houston to the four. There's some more things you can do there. But with the backcourt, I, man, they were shorthanded two years ago when they only had four guys, let alone you know having to have three. I think that would be really tough. So uh, that's something that I think they can get on right away. But they have to wait for some of the other guys 
to leave or do whatever they're going to do because of the scholarship situation. They're at 13 right now and you can't go over with some of these super seniors like you could last year. So that is, uh, is very interesting. And just to correct what I said, April 24th at 11 59 PM is when these guys have to decide. So uh, still got a few weeks here until those will all be uh, in. And then after that, you wait and see who can come back uh, until June one. So it's going to be a long drawn out process. Uh, anything else on the, on the basketball front from you guys? That's uh, it. I hope, I hope dying, so I'm lose Saturday. All right. You guys are both talking at the same time. I didn't hear what you said, but I think you guys have nothing left. Either do I uh, appreciate everybody watching. $1 gets you an entire year at the Wolverine.com. Got some fun stuff coming up planned. Uh, as Chris's battery died, I believe. Uh, so he is out uh, for Saturday, though, post game. Uh, we will also be there. Potentially, uh, you know, hope to see people there.